Here we go, people. You are in for such a treat. My next guest, Paul Daniels, my buddy, my pal, my friend. I love this guy. I met him at Heroic Public Speaking grad program, and I thought, man, oh man, it doesn't get better than this. Whew. Fun, creative, talented, and gives back to so many. Oof. Love this man. You're definitely going to want to share, like, rate, and subscribe. But before I bring on Paul Daniels, let me tell you a little about him. Paul is the founder and CEO of Peripheral Thinkers, a think tank where leaders apply lessons to propel their companies beyond obstacles. His unique perspectives on challenging conventions and creating unlimited paths to success in any market condition have influenced companies of all sizes, including General Electric, United Healthcare, Budweiser, WebMD, and AT&T. Paul's impact as an executive, entrepreneur, advisor, inventor, author, and speaker spans four decades, two dozen industries, 27 countries, and more than 2.3 billion in revenue. Huh, take my breath away, baby. Need I say more? Here's Paul. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. I know, I know, I've been bending your ear about this guy, but come on. He was one of my pals that I met at HPS grad, and I learned so much from him. I thought, man, oh man, do I have to share him with my audience? And you heard all about him just now. So you're in for a big treat. Paul, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. Oh, you know, Sandy, if um, you'd have to, you'd have to put me in the ground to keep me from being on your show. <laughs> Absolutely. This well, is we don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's not go there. <laughs> but absolutely, it's it's my pleasure. Uh, longtime listener, first time guest. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. All right, what's your word, dude? One word to best describe whatever it is. We do not care. We do not judge. Your past thirty days, and then why did you pick that, Paul? Frenetic. Okay. I picked it one because I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> Two, we've never had that where I can tell you right now, we've never had that. Word. Oh, good. Well, I, I like being first uh, and frenetic in a good way. You know, most most are think of of just being frantic, but it's not frantic. It's frenetic in, in that there's a lot going on and all of it is positive. Even some of the downsides are positive. They open up opportunities for new things. They had a uh, doing contract negotiation a couple of days ago. And it's a long contract, et cetera. And we're finally coming to the end of a two-year journey with this company that we may be purchasing. And it opened up an opportunity to get to know the, the legal team from the other side and their perspectives on their business, where they've been, how they, how they envision this acquisition taking place. And you know, sometimes it's difficult and sometimes we run into challenges, but I kind of like it frenetic. And if I could, I'd have hair just like yours because that would <laughs> then define <laughs> the freneticness of my life. You know, whenever I've blown my hair out, which you saw on my website, everyone's like, no, it doesn't fit you. <laughs> it's wrong. Yeah. And it's you showed wrong. me how to blow out my hair and look what happened. Yes, exactly. So I'm not doing that again. <laughs> okay, Paul. So I want to start out with one of the biggest questions I got from my listeners. And they're, let's just call him Billy Bob. He says, Dear Paul, I get that most obstacles, once I overcome, I'm using sarcasm because I can feel it. Most obstacles on the other side, there's a great opportunity. But come on, don't you just have maybe weeks or months that you just can't see the other side? And if so, what should you do? Hmm. That's a big one. Well, Billy Bob, no, I've never had that problem. So good luck. 
Uh, Jim, another question? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yes, sure. Sure, there are. What I've found, Billy Bob, is that when you can't seem to get through or around a particular obstacle or a challenge and you, you can't quite see past it, that it is based on a perspective. So there's, you know, there's a saying that if you're not the lead dog of a sled dog team, your view never changes. I'll just, I'll let that just sink in that visual. That's right. true. I'm, I'm like actually picturing myself as the dog behind. Yeah, I can. Right. And so if you're not where you want to be, if you're not um, achieving what you want to achieve and you're stuck, you know, dealing with the challenge you can't get around and you're staring at the rear end of the dog in front of you, it's time to unclip from that leash to remove yourself from whatever conventional wisdom or thought process has you looking at that challenge in a way that it's immovable or that it's just moving slightly. The typical approach to facing a challenge, your mind will look at that obstacle and you see that obstacle as something that's keeping you from getting to your goal, right? And that goal you may have set to grow your business or to be a better father or whatever that is. You have a goal and it's measurable. So you know where you're trying to go. This obstacle is keeping you from getting there. You check your past. What have you done in the past when you've come up against these kinds of challenges? And you look at your surroundings. Well, what are my colleagues, your competitors or friends or the industry? What's it telling me to do? Okay, so that's, that's a very logical approach. It's common. Yeah. Uh, it's conventional. You plan your work, you work your plan. Those that, sees op that see obstacles as opportunities to innovate and those that easily glide over obstacles. I'm not saying that's effortless. I'm saying it's easily gliding over those obstacles. See them from very different perspectives. And so to answer that question without going into a lot around peripheral thinking, some other things, it's, it's taking a beat, that pause, yeah, going for that walk, looking at a flower, staring at the sky, and looking at everything as a possible answer, however obscure or bizarre that might be, as yeah. a possible answer or a contributor to a way through or over or around uh, that challenge. You know, I had a, a mother ask me, do you think it's possible that I'm training my kid just to give up too quickly? Mm. Meaning, and I think her daughter was 16. And that's a big one. You know, how much yeah. do you help? How do you, much do you let them do on their own? And I don't know if there's a right or wrong because it really, and I told her I'd ask you, I think it really depends on the kid. Sure. Sure. You know, I, I am very biased. So I'll go out, come out and just say it right now. I'm very biased toward action and experience. And so I left home at 18. Uh, just didn't quite see eye to eye with, um, with my home life. And I had to get a job, which I did. And I love the way, wait, I love the way you put that so positive. I just didn't see eye to eye with my home life. Well, uh, yes, I do. I love my parents. They're both alive and they yeah. watch these and um, Pop and Boosh, I love you. And you all know this story. So yeah, yeah so I left. So I, I needed to work full time to put myself through school. And, um, and it was a great experience. What also happened, both, both parents worked when I was a child. And so at, uh, in kindergarten, I was a latchkey kid. So I was going home alone. My sister was, uh, my sister's a few years older than I am. And so it was up to us at age uh, eight. I learned how to clean the house. And my sister and I cleaned the house every Thursday night in case my parents were going to entertain on Friday and they white glove inspected the house. There's something to action and mm. learning from failure, not to be afraid of failure, to see it. And it's such a cliche, but to see it as an opportunity to, Oh, okay. That doesn't work. What about this? Or, Oh, I learned this actually works pretty well. That was an accident, but I can repeat that accident again and again. And boom, I've got a light bulb. I'm Thomas Edison, right? So 
uh, one of my earliest, uh, the, company, the first company I started uh, in the 80s was a sports score company. And there was a time where I uh, couldn't, I didn't know how to raise money. The only way I could meet payroll and pay for some of the things that we had big orders coming in, it was a sports score company. Uh, I canceled my, um, my lease and I lived in my car for two months. And I lived on $2 a day for food. I could get two hot dogs and a big Coke at the AM PM. And I didn't like onions and tomatoes and relish and those kinds of things, but it was free. Yeah. yeah. Loaded up. The things that I learned in that experience, I mean, they've served me my whole life. This, you know, this is more than just a few years ago. So do we let them give up too quickly? I don't know. I can't, I don't know that daughter, but I can tell you that the reset on our phones, the retry on the game, Mm. the um, the spell check, whatever those things are that that don't teach you perseverance, um, yes, they will hinder you because life has challenges and we must yeah. persevere. But yeah. it's our attitude that we use when we persevere that determines that the outcome and determines um, how we learn from that. I remember my husband telling me when my son was young and he would fall and not really hurt himself. He'd say, let him get up, let him figure it out. Let him know that's where he's going to fall up that step. Don't run in right away. Right. Unless like, you know, right. Limbs are hanging off and things. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing. They taught us when he was in sports, the coach is like, don't run out on the field. If your kid gets knocked over, (laughs) but I know as a parent, it is much more difficult with your kid because I'm like, okay, okay. And that's somebody that has come up the same thing from the bootstraps. A lot of things is uphill both ways, which like you Mm -hmm. has made me who I am today. And a lot of people say, oh, I think maybe you were just born that way because if something is not quite right, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. My brain starts going, well, maybe you could do this. Maybe you could do that. And I don't know. I think I just trained it to be that way. I can't speak to your brain other than that. <laughs> Every time we speak, I'm fascinated sure? by it. No, truly. Um, you're, you're one of the most creative and intelligent people that I know. No oh, joke. It's true. Just the time that we spent together. And I love the way your brain works. Uh, yeah. the, the way my brain works is similar, um, but it's because of a neurodiversity that I have. Um, and, and I had to learn how to learn differently. School was awful for me. I was labeled stupid, slow, lazy, uh, daydreamer. Uh, and that followed me to college. And for those listening in, um, in Europe, it followed me to university. Uh, it went into graduate school. It even followed me into corporate America, where people were saying, you, you're just, you're, you're not like the other people, and we're not following you. And at age 40, I was di- diagnosed with dyslexia. It was the same at time. Age 40. Our- you didn't know 40. before that. Correct. Wow. But our daughter, it was at the same time that our daughter was diagnosed and the light bulb went on for me. I went, Oh, I get that. And started digging in, you know, almost two decades later, I have, I I know the value of a dyslexic mind. If you look at throughout history, some of the most prolific innovators, those people that took their profession to new levels that even created new industries and new movements uh, globally were dyslexic. Einstein, Henry Ford, Anne Bancroft, Da Vinci, Agatha Christie. My husband. Your husband. Yes, right. (laughs) Richard Branson. Same thing. They said "Ah, he's lucky if he gets out of first grade. And he's a lawyer that right. does really well. They didn't, they didn't know. And I will, I will, I will admit candidly and with no shame, I absolutely cheated to get through school. There was no training. If I couldn't read, then I had to read your eyes. I had to watch your lips and the facial expressions. I had to look at the people in the room, 
how were they responding to what was being read or what was being written? I, I relied on everyone and everything to learn. Mm. That is a super skill that dyslexics are born with. About 10% of the population is dyslexic, 20 to 30% of entrepreneurs and nearly 40% of self-made millionaires are dyslexic. NASA actively recruits people with dyslexia and, wow. and some have called wow. dyslexia the MIT disease. That's not a disease, it's a learning difference yeah. where the brain yeah. just processes things uniquely. But if you look at the skills that are innately found within dyslexics, I've developed a, a, a thing we could talk about if you want, but um, they can be learned easily and applied. Oh, tell us more. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, are we doing video as well? We are. We okay. are doing video. Now, some right. people might be just listening. Okay. So if you're, we'll stay. right. So if you're, if you're listening, especially if you're listening and you're driving, don't do this. Okay. <laughs> That's my warning. All right. So <clears throat> what I want you to do is imagine that you're in a mountain field and it's covered with wildflowers. The warm is the, the sun is warm on your face. The air is crisp and it's cool. And as you stare out on that mountain field, there's your challenge, rising up out of the, the flowers like a monolith, okay? Now, take your hand and cover your eyes, but not completely, but just so you can't see what, what's right in front of you. All right, so again, if you're driving, don't do this. Imagine. <laughs> so you can't see what's in front of you, but what can you see? Well, you can move your eyes up, down, to the left, to the right, in fact, wherever you are, find something that you haven't noticed before, something unique, maybe a shadow on the wall, maybe a spot on the ceiling, I don't know, a piece of candy on your desk that you didn't realize it's there and you've got to have it right now, whatever that is. You got it? Okay. You can take your hand down. So what you, what you noticed was in your peripheral vision. Mm. Now, dyslexics are scientifically known to have more acute and more vivid peripheral vision. Now, what you do is look at that thing that you saw that was unique. So there's an unusual shadow on the wall of my office here. This time of day, I just noticed it, so I'm looking at it. It's clearer now because I'm looking at it, right? More defined. That's peripheral awareness. So when we go back to that mountain field, instead of looking at your challenge, move, say, 100 yards to the right. Now, what does that new vantage point provide, um, that new vantage point of your challenge, what does that look like? Well, likely you'd get more details, uh, maybe some depth and some shadowing, and you can move all the way around that challenge, right? And you get, everybody could chime in, a 360 degree view of the challenge, right? And if you've got a team or your family, whatever that is, everyone can walk around them. The problem is that is still from your perspective filtered through your set of experiences or your team's collection of, of truths or beliefs. That is not the process that peripheral thinkers or that these dyslexic innovators use. Mm. They stand at that hundred yards to the right. And instead of looking at the challenge, they look around. <laughs> so what do you see now? Like, likely you see other objects, maybe different terrain and other people. But, and no, Julie Andrews isn't there singing, the hills are alive with the sound of music, <laughs> though she should be, doggone it. But there are those people, they're not part of your sphere of influence. How did they get where they are? How do they overcome their challenges? What do, what goals have they achieved and how? The perspectives from those people may be just what you need, Billy Bob, as inspiration to innovate beyond your challenge. That is a skill called interpreting, which takes unrelated ideas, assembles them in different ways in order to create something new from something that is already existing. You know, Paul, I've done that exercise with you before, but each and every time I do it, I learn something new. 
Oh yeah. Like what? Like I'm sitting here and I'm doing this little exercise. And even though, yeah, I, I noticed something like, I think I look around, but my, I have five little angels on my desk, but the one is like, looks like she's whispering in the other one's ear. But all of a sudden for me, after that exercise, I was thinking about a challenge I'm having with another business deal I'm trying to close. And all of a sudden, even that just few seconds gave me, Ooh, maybe so-and-so didn't talk to so-and-so. No, I don't know if that's what it was supposed to do. That's 100%. But I'm looking at this angel talking in the other angel's ear. Here, I'm going to show right. anybody who's looking. And this is what she was doing. And it made me think, I that's bet the- you so-and-so didn't even talk to so-and-so. That's the perfect example. Oh. The perfect example. <laughs> because you're taking a principle just from an observation and saying, not can this apply, could it apply? You're saying, how will it apply? Mm. Okay. So whispering, whispering is saying something in a way that's, that's genuine. It's closer. It's more intimate. Am I intimate with that client? Do they, do they all know the same thing that this one or two people know? How do I help them whisper the same thing to each other so Mm. that everyone is seeing the same issue or the same objective, right? When, when you get multiple perspectives from really different places and you apply those perspectives, I'm serious about this. Your, li- your, your future is limitless. True. Yeah, I, I so agree. And I think we're going to have to talk about this more off air because, you know, I've been in business a very long time and I've seen what's worked when the team really trusts one another and is open to other people's ideas as bizarre as they are, just be willing to listen. But what I find lately with some of my clients is they'll go on and on about a certain situation or circumstance. And I'll say, did you even Billy Bob, Sally Bell? I say, did you even discuss this with Sally Bell? And they have it. I don't know if you find it like, and they're, they're actually even sitting right in the office next to them. Right. Right. And why? I mean, forget that they may have a different perspective. They haven't even spoken to one another. Right. Right. We're the only species on this planet that has the ability to communicate around the globe with virtually anyone. And so when I speak with my clients, I bring up the same thing. I know you've heard this, but for the audience, Think of it this way. What what does a baker in Bulgaria have in common with a foundry outside of Philadelphia? What does a movie theater in Malaysia have in common with a distribution center in Denver? What does the flu in China have in common with unemployment around the world? Mm -hmm. Conventional wisdom says "Ah, they really don't have a lot in common until the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Peripheral thinking says, oh, hang on. They have a lot more in common than you might think. Let's dive in and see if there's some ideas we can use. As crazy as that whispering thing that you just yeah. described. Yeah. I, I was working on a, on a deal with, a, with an organization. It was a $200 million deal. And I used something I learned on the weekend with my wife driving around the countryside of Texas looking at property. Now, if you're in real estate, forgive me, I didn't know this, but first right of refusal or whatever that's called, where basically you say, hey, if you do decide to sell this land, I want to buy it. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I learned that one afternoon sitting on a porch, talking to a guy named Earl who owned some property that was not for sale. And he allowed my wife and I to sit there and we sat in rocking chairs. It was a typical Texas look, right? Drinking iced tea, summer afternoon, Uh, right? And, And I learned that. On the drive home, I went, that's it. That's what I need. Fast forward a week or two, and I'm meeting with this large organization, and I use that same principle, and I walked out with a letter of intent that eliminated all competition, and in six months, we'd closed more than the company has closed in the previous 16 years. Wow. But it was just because I was open. When you're in in that field... All you need is an open and interpreting mind. Just be open and say, how could I apply that? How could I apply that? There are more answers than questions. 
There are more uh, there are more paths and problems, more choices than challenges, and more opportunities than obstacles. And I know this because for 40 years I've done it with in two dozen industries, 27 countries, and two and a half billion dollars in revenue. And that's just on the business side. I've made some of the best contacts like you mm. that I would not have met if I hadn't joined that group, was open to new ideas and new people. And I've learned so much from you that I've shared with other people that so, you know, yeah, Sandy's, yeah. Sandy's words of wisdoms are now making their way to Bulgaria because I do have a friend who is a baker in Bulgaria. His name's Ivan. <laughs> and we do talk, though we have to use Google Translate because I don't speak his language. He doesn't speak English. Oh, tons of stuff that we learn from each other just by talking about life. It's awesome. I've never done that. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's way cool. Oh my gosh, that's way cool. Yeah, now so, we've only done it once by voice. The rest of it is is written. So yeah. I type it into Google Translator into Bulgarian. It, he gets it that way. He types it in English and sends it back to me that way. Oh, I love that. Types How it in Bulgarian funny. or translates to English, yeah. And it's kind of chopped up sentences, but oh, the, the meaning and the, the ideas are still there. So you're making me think with the peripheral thinkers and a different perspective that it is going to take someone who's been thinking a certain way their entire life. They're going to have to be a little open-minded to learning, you know, in a new way, because for me, when I see something, Oh, I just don't know how to figure this out. I don't get sad. I get excited. And so it's like what you're talking about, just even that slight change. They don't have to like change everything, but looking at an obstacle in just a different way, like, Ooh, that's exciting. Maybe I'm going to learn something new or something even bigger is going to come along. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's even more Sandy in your mind and in the mind of your listeners that is applicable that they may not remember or they may not think is applicable. Remember how to ride a bicycle? What it was like riding a bicycle? The first time that you baked a cake, there are principles there. Are those principles applicable to the challenge that you're facing? Mm. Are, are you following the ingredients? Are you the kind that likes to add a little bit more salt or a little bit more sugar than it says? But are you following just the, the, the industry's approach or just what your friend's advice is? This is the way we do this. Do you have a tendency to want to add a little sugar or are you sugar averse? Either way, you just got to <laughs> step, you know, a half of a degree Yeah, and, and check your, your own mental periphery. I drive up to get fuel and there's a long line at one gas station. Oh, well, I guess I'm out. Of, I'm, I'm going to be out of gas. No, I, I look for another one, <laughs> Right. I'm going to go into the store and I need a gallon of milk. They're out of ga- milk here. I give up. No. I, okay. Where else can I get milk? Well, if I get really crazy, I can go to our farm that's in North Texas and try and milk one of the cows, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> I like that idea, but <laughs> yeah, well, especially because they're not milking cows, they're black Angus. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I would yeah I'd die, but you get the idea. Yeah. So everyone I think is pliable enough to adopt this. This isn't a major mind shift. It is a, an acknowledgement and recognition that uh, if you're open to it, the answers are there and they, they're not far. You don't have to go to Bulgaria. It may just be the person in the office next to you. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm all about that. I'm all about the little things that you can do every single day. I say this, I'm going to say it to the day I leave this pearly world And that is, it's the consistency. It's being open to wanting it, to acknowledging, okay, this is possible. And now I'm going to just do something a little bit every single day. And it doesn't have to be exactly the same as the other person. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Taking a different path to the office. Um, You've walked around the block from right to left, go left to right. Or go just one more block over yeah. and look where you normally don't look. Look down, look over, look up. Just take in what's around you. I mean, this is, this is an incredible place yeah. filled with 
ideas and opportunities. And yes, life is hard. I don't want to make it sound like this is all roses. Absolutely. Well, maybe your life is Paul, all roses. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there are thorns on roses. So life is tough. I get that. Um, But this is one thing, just one thing that you might be willing to to venture out and try by just asking. But it's, it's as simple as this. The first step is contact. Find somebody that's in a different state of life, different industry, different country, culture, and contact. Get to know them. Get to know, let them get to know you. And, and for people that are active on social media, like LinkedIn and, and Facebook, and you're in groups and that kind of stuff, typically those groups are associated with uh, your job or your industry or your interests, your personal interests. Okay, so I'm sorry, but that's not that's not the periphery. <laughs> Find that's a good point. Groups. That's a good point. Yeah. Go outside. Find someone that doesn't speak your language. Yes. It took me a week to find Ivan, the baker in Bulgaria, because some after one of my keynotes, somebody came up and said, I'm dying to know. I, I was looking on LinkedIn for a baker in Bulgaria. Do you know one? I said, you know, I've only used it as an example. Shame on me. By the end of that week, I had Ivan. <laughs> and Ivan had me. And we met. And, and, and now- oh my gosh, that's meeting, too funny. Yeah, I, I'm, it's not in Philadelphia, but I've met people that are at a foundry in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, right? Steel mill. And I have a distribution friend uh, in Denver. Uh, and I have a movie theater owner in Moldova, though they're close to, um, to Ukraine. So right now things are really difficult there. But I also am making contact with movie theater owners in Malaysia because I've I'm, I'm eating my own dog food, of course. And, okay, wait wow. a minute, wait a minute. We, we <laughs> Okay, I went a little too far too fast. No, so. no, I have so many questions to unpack okay. there. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. Hold on. So okay. I need to talk about Ivan. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. You just and don't you ask me to brush over this last one. So here you are, you do your keynote, you use it as an example. You don't have a baker in Bulgaria. What did you tell Ivan when you reached out and how did you find him? I found him on LinkedIn. First, I started looking at bakeries in Bulgaria. I wanted one that had more than one location. Because typically, that's going to be maybe someone that, that is entrepreneurial and is a little bit, you so know, maybe more open-minded. LinkedIn, you looked on LinkedIn. Right. So I looked on LinkedIn. Uh, but first, I just did, I, I did a Google search bakeries in Bulgaria. First, I went to Google and I said, okay, what are the main cities in Bulgaria? Okay. I went to Google and I said, okay, so where is Bulgaria? That was my first one. (laughs) I know it's over that way, but where? So I found it. Then I found like the main cities. And then I started Google searching bakeries in this city and it listed them. And then I went on LinkedIn. I said, okay, who, who works at any of these bakeries? Found a few bakeries, went up the chain and said, ah, Ivan's a co-founder of this. Terrific. I'll link, I'll set out. And I said, look, this is going to be the strangest request you've ever had. I have nothing to sell you, but I'm fascinated with your business. I'm not competitive and I'm in the United States, but I really want to understand how you grew to have six locations in, in, in throughout um, uh, Southern Bulgaria. Would you mind spending just a few minutes with me? We can do this just, you know, when you're awake, respond. When I'm awake, I'll respond. It took a few weeks. I sent another one. This time I translated it into Bulgarian and he responded. And he said he doesn't speak English. So he wasn't quite sure how to read the the text. And then, so then I'm sharing, hey, did you know that Google has a translator thing? Blah, blah, blah. So now I'm, you know, talking and pretty soon we're just talking. And the conversation has, has only gone to the business side in the last month or so. This is a year ago. Oh. I was getting to know him. But the conversation always brings in something about a personality or a skill or uh, some backstory. And that provides context that I can ask questions about. And I'm learning more and more. We're getting into some you know, 
significant details now. Before it was, well, you know, I, my family was in the bakery business. I decided I was going to move somewhere else. So I started um, a first bakery and I knew that we were doing pretty well. So I wanted to see, could it work in this other part of the city? And they did. And now I've got six. Okay, great. So here's what I learned. He tried and he made some failures and he got in the wrong location, but he got a second location that was better. And, mm. you know, it's just like what you and I would do sitting, talking about coffee. And I'd say, so how's business or how's a family? And here's what's going on. And here's what, basically, you're going to tell me what you've learned, whether you say, here's what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah what's yeah. going on in your life? I'm going to do that. I have never yeah. done that. I don't know. I got to pick a business. I'm gonna, I don't know. Random business, but I have to think of one. Um, a popcorn company in Pittsburgh. <laughs> there. <laughs> I challenge you. And I'll oh, see you in a few weeks. So you better tell me who you've met that owns a popcorn company. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Not that I'm not against Pittsburgh, but I want, okay. I want to have to use Google Translator. <laughs> oh, you want to do that? Okay, yeah. So, um, uh, a papaya grower in Papua New Guinea. Oh, I don't know if they grew a papaya there, but I like the alliteration. So papaya Something grower. Something similar in New yeah. Guinea. In New Guinea. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think we all should try this. I think all oh. the listeners should try. Look, what is the worst that can happen? Nothing. You get blocked. Yeah. <laughs> so You're a wacky American. There's nothing. You get blocked. The, the police don't show up at your door. I mean, you, you're, you're fine. You Especially I could tell them this conversation and that I was challenged to do it. So I have my, yeah. already have my in that's going through my head. Right. Right. Yeah. You're, it's right. a scavenger hunt. Yeah. And I'm not selling you anything. That's it. Right. Interesting people around the world. And look, I, I want to offer too. So if there's something that you do want from me, like people in my network that you'd like to meet or um, understand what it's like to live, uh, you know, with, 200 head of cattle in North Texas. Okay. I'll tell you what, whatever you want. I'm an open book. Yeah. Well, you know what, Paul? And I found this out at HPS grad with you, which I just want to go into a little bit that Paul and I met and got to know us that we touched on it because we went through the speaking program. That was a seven month course. And we both graduated. Woo, woo. Yeah. It took me two and a half years. She did it in seven months. Okay. Whatever. We finished. And <laughs> you know, I'm dyslexic. So it was going to take me longer. Just wait. <laughs> you got there. Yeah. And I'm glad I did because I got to meet you. Me too. But you were so willing not just to listen to others, but to share your knowledge. And I do think that some people are a little scared of sharing their knowledge. Like they won't grow as much in their business. Mm. And that's just poppycock. I've seen it over and over again. It's poppy cup. I've shared, although my business partner probably wasn't as excited, my knowledge about the health industry with my competitors right next door. I found it to be very rewarding. It is. And it is scary because I've shared the quote secrets to my success with lots of people. And I'm seeing some that are coming up on LinkedIn and other places that are talking about a different kind of thinking that sounds an awful lot like peripheral thinking. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? That That's neither here nor there. I If I don't give, I will never get. Yeah. And yeah. I'd much rather be uh, the balance sheet on the giving side than on the taking. Yeah. Because what I get in return, and I'm sure you experience it too, is always tenfold. It's just, yeah, I, you can't outgive it. You just can't outgive, especially when people really appreciate what you're giving. Now, I don't throw just, you know, great advice to people that don't even want to hear it. Of course, you know, you need to earn their permission and, and their trust and those kinds of things to speak into yeah. their life. You know, our daughter is, is married and she and her husband have started their life three years into their marriage and they're doing great. I'm, I'm kind of done giving advice. And because she said so. <laughs> and, and rightly so. Because she, she and her husband want to learn it. Now, they'll come and ask, but they don't need unsolicited advice, which I'm really good at. <laughs> right? Oh, um, yes. so, uh, so back to the 16-year-old. The you know, they need to make some mistakes. Yeah. Absolutely. None of them are going to be life-threatening. 
no, you don't put that kind of fuel in a lawnmower. It'll kill it. Okay. <laughs> it's a dead, dead lawnmower. Okay. Yeah. You learn not life-threatening, nothing blew up. Got to get a new lawnmower. I'm not paying for it. Of course you, you're going to do that, but that's part of the lesson. Yeah. You know, I have to remind myself of that all the time. My son, he's 18. And I'll say to me, mom, why did you let me do that? And I said, well, you had to figure it out on your own. I don't want to always dive in there. And he said, and he had a challenge because, because that doesn't make sense to me. Like if the people surrounding me could help me and do it for me, he still doesn't see the benefit of him mm-hmm. figuring out on his own. He was like, that doesn't make sense. Well, don't, doesn't that just come into play when I need it? So Paul, can you answer that for me? Because I didn't do a good job. No, you're hundred percent right. Because it, it is somewhat situational. We don't want to, we want to teach our children. We, we want to help anyone um, be, um, be progressive. So not necessarily self-sufficient, but uh, to achieve that, which they want to achieve. And there are lessons to be learned, including asking for help. So if they ask me for help, I'm not going to say, no, no, I need to see both skins, knee, uh, knees, skin. I need to see more blood before I'm jumping into teaching. Yeah, yeah, advice, yeah. Right. Yeah. If they say, will you help? Of course. So try a little bit and you're there to help. It's the same thing that you do with your clients. They, they have to go through certain things. I will do the same with mine. I, I'm here. I'm ready. I met with a, a yeah. client of mine this morning. We're walking through some of the numbers from the last month and we're talking about his projections for the year and so on. And I've got some ideas. He's got some ideas too. And I think he needs to continue. Now he's, he asked me for some advice and then others, he's telling me what he's doing. Terrific. Yeah. Go. I think I have a better approach, but maybe not. Mm. Maybe not. Maybe he does. Maybe this approach that I don't think is going to work will work. And then I'm learning something. Either way, we're going to get through it together. Yeah. Because we're willing to ask and seek out wisdom and knowledge from everywhere. You know, I'm so glad you said that. I'm going to remind my son of how proud I am of him because his counselor just came back last week and said, Cole came and asked for help, which is huge for him. I mean, this has been something he's worked on the last year. And she said, I'm so glad he advocated for himself. Yes. And that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is a skill to be able to know it takes the team. Absolutely. It is. And to have a voice. Yeah. It's the one thing that I'm so grateful that our daughter was diagnosed with dyslexia at her, at the age she was. Yeah. Because one of the first things they teach you as a dyslexic isn't how to read. It's how to advocate for yourself. Yeah. How to yeah. explain, to share, look, I don't see the world the way you do. So I'm going to need some help seeing it your way. And I'm happy to share with you the way I see it. So it's a two-way street. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and she is a very strong advocate for herself and for her patients and her clients and her mm. husband and the things that she believes in. And she's also willing to ask for help in support of those things. I love that. I do too. And she taught me a lot about asking for help. I'm, yeah. You know, I left early. Um, I was, we were cooking dinner. We shouldn't be, have been cooking dinner. I was in first grade. My sister was in third. We're using a stove and we're making <laughs> dinner. I mean, seriously, no. <laughs> I know mom and dad, you're watching, but no supervision. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, by the grace of God, we didn't burn down every house we ever lived in, but we got burned several times. You learn a lot. Asking for help wasn't natural for me. It is now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it took me a while too, because I was very much, I can do it myself. I can figure it out, which is a skill, but also (laughs) knowing when you can learn from other people for, well, I was good with self-development, but when I really needed the help most, I would dig in and say, I should figure this out by myself, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. Yeah. For, for those that are struggling with asking for help, let's rephrase it. You're asking for an opinion. Ooh. You're asking someone for an opinion. I like that. 
right? I'm talking, I'm, I'm telling you a story about a friend of mine, wink, wink. And this friend is having trouble with such and such. If you were me, what would you tell that friend? What opinion would you give them? And ask it for help. And they know it's you, you know, just play with it, have fun. Yeah. But yeah. what I've learned is that there's just, <laughs> there's just so much cool stuff out there. Uh, I pray that I'm 190 when I'm finally put to rest because there's a lot of places and things I still want to experience and people I want to meet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, that just makes life so much richer. Journeys are always better um, with companions and coaches and guides. And if you can't, you know, take friends with different perspectives with you, at least take their view of the world and say, what would Billy Bob or Sally Sue yeah. think about this environment? Yeah. Yeah. What would they notice? Oh, they'd notice that cup over there is sitting at an awkward angle. They have the weirdest way of seeing some things that I never see. Well, guess what? I just now saw it because I'm bringing their perspective with me. I'm going to use that, by the way. It's okay. an opinion. Opinion. Yeah. Just asking for an opinion. I love words. And I think just changing up slightly the word you've been using gives you a whole new perspective. So it's different than, oh, my God, I need your help. Right. I need advice, opinion. Also, I just want to make note, I'm looking at everything you said here. I notice you never, I don't know, intentional or not, you never say problem. You say obstacle. I've never once heard you say it's a problem. Is that intentional? I, I don't know. I think it's just become natural. Um, there are more paths than problems. So there I said it. But that's just part of a phrase that I live by. <laughs> that there, I can find another path that will circumvent this problem, take me over, around, under, whatever the problem. Um, there's an, there are enough P words in, uh, in social media and on the news and the radio and you know, everywhere. I don't need to add to that. Um, <laughs> I'd rather be part of the solution than the P word. Yeah, the P word. <laughs> <laughs> like the F word, the P word. Yeah, well, it's, yeah it's, a, it's a four-letter word the way I spell it. But again, I'm just yeah. yeah. Well, I used to always say, I never say the F word. And, I, and they'd be like, what do you mean? You always say that when you're teaching class. Like I always say when I'm happy, I said, no, 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 F-A-T. Because in the health club industry, that right. was just a word I did not use. Yeah. This perspective for me. Right. And we, and we learn those things. You know, I'm, if, you, if you do follow this, peripheral thinking does more than just help you find solutions, right? Peripheral thinking expands your, um, your perspective of the world, the way the world works and doesn't work, the way that people see the world, their perspective, their points of view, their references. And it opens up fascinating things like, whether you cross your leg or not cross your leg, whether you show the sole of your shoe to someone or not, you know, how different cultures see things differently. And if you travel, go where no one else goes, find yeah. the dive, find yeah. the local, whatever, and, and enrich yourself with that. Of course, be safe, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but do that. It's immeasurable. The experience, uh, any experience can provide. I've got a friend who's named Mike. And Mike is retired and he works at Home Depot because he wants to. He didn't have to. He just wants to. And he likes working on Saturdays. I'll go to Home Depot on Saturday when I have nothing to buy because Mike's in the hardware aisle, you know, with nuts, nuts and bolts and screws and hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. I love Home Depot. Yeah. And, and he sees me coming. I see him coming. If he's with a client, I'll wait a little bit. I'll say, hey, Mike, how's it going? And he'll tell me about the next golfing trip he's taking to Scotland or, or you know, the artwork he was doing or... And sometimes he'll say, hey, we got this new thing down here. You got to see it. It's crazy. But I learned so much from Mike. Home Depot is a quarter mile from my house. <laughs> a whole new world. Tons of new perspectives from Mike. Yeah. In aisle 13 and 14. <laughs> Paul, you crack me up. <laughs> I mean. And if, you don't, if you're not getting it at your Home Depot, then come to Texas. I'll give you my cell phone. Yeah. We'll go meet Mike together. Yeah, I don't know if everybody's having the same experience as you do. Yeah, don't, don't worry about the Dalai Lama. I got the guy. His name's Mike. <laughs> He's yeah. at Home Depot. You never uh, know. You never know. 
So before we go, we're going to have to wrap up here soon, but tell them a little bit about why you did sign up for HPS grad speaking course. Yeah. That's how we met. So that's right. Why did you want to do that? I needed, I needed a new perspective. I needed different opinions Mm. on, on what I believe is a really important message for the audience that I, I speak to. And I know from uh, just from other things in life that to be really effective requires certain skills. And those skills, whether they're innate or you're learning them, they need exercise. They need to be practiced. They need to be rehearsed. They need to be developed. And from all of my research and people that I have met that have been to HPS, it was the one and only place for me to go. There wasn't a question about going there. It was how soon could I have, you know, raise the money to go to that course, to join this thing, to listen to that, to follow them and so on. So it, um, it's, it's imperative for me to be clear with my message so that at least one person in the audience can walk away and say, yeah, wow. Okay. I ha- I'm on a mission now. I've got, I've got a direction to go. And yeah. uh, I take it seriously because I'm not up there because I want to be famous. If I wanted to do that, I could do all kinds of stupid things that would make me infamous. <laughs> um, it's there because I really want to help. Uh, and I, I love sharing what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone, by the way, there was so excited when Paul was there because oh, you did. Nice. Come on. You did. You every I don't know how many people you helped there, but you sure got to many of them in those four days that we were there the last time. Yeah, sure. It was wonderful. It, it's a it's a wonderful environment. And if we're if we're pitching heroic public speaking, then I'll go full in and say, if you're ever thinking about how you will communicate you, the message that's burning inside you, whether you plan to get on stage or whether you're doing it to a client or to your family members, whatever that is, mm. if you're thinking about that. You owe it to yourself to look at heroic yeah. public speaking. We don't get paid to promote them. Uh, it's very, it's kind of yeah. a, uh, yeah. not an exclusive club, but you know, it's not for everyone. But if you're serious, if you're serious about just being able to communicate a message well, there's no other place than HPS yeah. with 100 percent confidence. Absolutely, money back guarantee. <laughs> and by the way, and, it was not planned. It was, and Sandy's going to pay it back if you don't like it. <laughs> whoa, whoa! I said, there you go. I said money back. I didn't say my money. It's oh, yours. Yeah, no. yeah. No, it, it was a great experience, and I feel like when it's unsolicited, that's the best time to talk about anyone or any organization that you truly believe in and help others out. Absolutely. Paul, I just have to tell you one thing before we go, we're going to wrap up here real quickly. Okay, sure. I was thinking of you because. <laughs> Uh-oh, what did we do? <laughs> no, no, it was funny. Oh, yeah. Right before we came on, I had this jacket and then I realized there was a stain on it. I'm like, oh crap, there's a stain on it. So I ran up and grabbed this sweater that someone gave me. It was way too big. So I'm like, okay, okay. Let's look around. Well, I found a paper clip. So I paper clipped it so it would stay closed. Right and on. I said, that's peripheral thinking. I'm telling you, absolutely. <laughs> and if we had more time, I would show the audience that are, that are watching um, how to take a paper clip and create the, the drag and the hook for picking a lock. You that can do be that. handy, but I don't know if I would be responsible. Yeah. Look it up on Google. Yeah, uh, on, on YouTube. You can learn it there. All right, it's time for Rapid Fire with Paul Daniel. Woo, woo. All right, Paul, favorite color? Favorite color? Yeah. Chrome. What color? Chrome. Chrome. Chrome, like a bumper? Chrome. And no one's ever said chrome. Favorite food? (laughs) Anything that comes through a window without me having to get up. Typically in my car. Okay. Pick up. You want to pick up drive through. Okay. What do you like to do in your free time? Some hobbies. Yep. I uh, I build hot rods. Um, okay. Classic cars, but I don't put them back to their original state. I make them crazy, wicked. 
uh, and, uh, and then surfing. I still surf and skateboard. Yeah. I'm almost 60. And, uh, if I pan my camera, you'd see my skateboard is here. Cause I park my truck at the end of the parking lot so I can skateboard in, in the morning and skateboard back out at night. Good for you. Yeah. There's something I didn't know. I like that one. Okay. What's a book you've been reading in the last year you can recommend? Well, uh, the referable speaker Ooh. by, um, by uh, Andrew Davis and Michael Port uh, is a book that I've been reading. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've been studying the book of, of uh, First Thessalonians in the Bible. Uh, it's just kicking my rear end. It's just kind of trying to wrap my arms, arms around that. Um, okay. and then, we have never had that. So go forth. Yeah. And, and then a shameless plug. Uh, I've been rereading the, the, the stuff that I wrote for the book that's coming out in May. Um, the book is Peak Performance, Mindset Tools for Entrepreneurs. Ooh. And I'm a contributing author to that. Um, and, and I'm kind of like one of those that I'm never quite done with stuff, yeah. but I'm looking at it from different perspectives and saying, could I have done it different? It's already gone. It's to the editors. It's done, but I'm enjoying reading the chapters by other, by other authors too. So Ooh, that's May, right? Yeah. Keep it on for May. Yep. We'll come out in the last part of May. All right, cool. All right. You're an animal. <laughs> And if I was an animal, I would be a dolphin. A dolphin. Yep. So I have two more shameless plugs. No, just one. One is my socks. Can I show you my socks? Sure, you can show me your socks. <laughs> I do have a fan of crazy socks. Oh, I like them. And it says, made by dyslexia. Shut up. There That's is an really organization in the UK, another shameless plug, called Made by Dyslexia. Kate Griggs is the founder of this nonprofit. And she has the likes of Orlando Bloom, Richard Branson, and others that are dyslexic, well-known, on the board. And they, are, they have a, a mission to help teachers around the world identify children with dyslexia early. The earlier, the better. So they're working from that range up, and I'm working at the corporate executive, showing them that dyslexic thinking is a really smart thing, and I'll teach mm. you how to do it so that they can recognize dyslexics within their organization to empower them. And somewhere we're gonna meet in the middle and we're going to, um, we're going to destigmatize that dyslexia is a disability. It's not, it's actually a superpower. Wow, I love that, superpower. Okay, and I but share I, it with everyone, yeah. I need to know what that has to do with dolphins or did it just make you think of that? Okay, so then on the other side of my sock, Oh, Lord, have mercy. I know, but it's a Wait, surfing. show point. it, show it. That's my dolphin. Now I understand. Hey, Sandy, you've made me do things on this show that I have <laughs> never done, ever. Oh, next thing you'll be twerking. All right, now. No, you will not see me twerking. <laughs> my back can't take that. Okay, so <laughs> when I say the word universe, what does universe mean to you? It, it's everything. It's everything this side of heaven. That's a good one. All right, before we wrap up, Paul, how can they find you? Where <laughs> do you want them to go? Where should they look you up? Sure. How can they uh, translate from, uh, I don't Bulgarian know. To, to English, right. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at pauldanielsjr, pauldanielsjr.com. Okay. And I've got a contact page there. Uh, in fact, if, if you will, if you're on listening to this and you want a copy with instructions of this peripheral resource library, which basically teaches you how to use that interpreting skill and how to capture and, and contain all these, this content, just mention this show. And uh, when you contact me and I'll send you a free copy, I'm not, I don't spam lists. I don't sell anything. I'll just get, get it to you because I love Sandy so much and, and what she's doing. Oh, that's so wonderful. And if you All want right. to speak at an event or something like that, there's a, there's a holding event. All right. That's where I was going. If yeah. they want to book you and they're going to want to book you. So when they reach out to you to yep. book you for their keynote, yep. where would they go? That, the same website. Okay. And there's a, a section called hold the date. Okay, cool. Hold the date. All right, my let's keep it real people. Come on. Paul kept it real. You're definitely going to want to share this podcast, rate it, like it. Paul and I will be truly grateful. 
And you know what I'm going to say until next time. Thank you, Paul. And toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.